Bible reading this morning is found in Matthew 9, verse 35 through to chapter 10, verse 8, and it's titled here, The Workers of Few. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then on to chapter 10, Jesus sends out the twelve. He called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Today we're going to focus a little bit on being on mission with God. Let's pray. Father, you are an awesome, holy God. And Father, we just pray that now this morning, as we've worshipped, as we've looked to sing songs of praise to you, as we've just participated in a song that declares the wonder of of the death and the resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Father, we just ask now that the full victory of that death on the cross and that resurrection to new life, the outpouring of your Holy Spirit would come upon us today as we now enter into a message on being on mission with you. Bless you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. God, Yahweh El Shaddai, is truly Almighty. I mean, he's the creator of the universe, the originator of everything that is. Without him, there's nothing. We are nothing. Friends, every second you breathe, that breath is a gift from God. That's interesting, isn't it? No wonder the Bible tells us we're to give him all the glory and the honor. We're to proclaim God's greatness and acts of power and righteousness, specifically through his son, Yahushua, Jesus, Yahushua, Hebrew, God saves. That's literally what it means, okay? That's our focus today, and today is St. Patrick's Day. This is a really special day for me, because it's a day at around 7.30 p.m. in the evening, my life changed totally, because on a blind date, I met my wife 58 years ago. That changed everything for me. And, uh, and you know, I, she just reminded me how I won her heart that night. We're, it was a, a Channel 9 ball, actually, and uh, we're going to this thing, dance, and I hate dancing to the core. Um, in actual fact, i got two square feet, can't get it right. And so in a moment of brilliance, as I was carrying the lemonade bottle, and remember they had the metal caps? slipped out of my hand and the metal clap as I tried to catch it 
gashed my little finger almost to the bone. I had her sympathy for the whole night. Didn't have to dance. <laughs> so that's how you wound a woman's heart, you see. You become wounded and, and, and let them nurse you back to St. Patrick's Day, okay? It exists, actually, to celebrate St. Patrick bringing Christianity to pagan Ireland. It's an amazing story. How did he do this? Not by his strength and wisdom, but by God's spirit, grace and power. Now, St. Patrick actually grew up in a Christian home, but by the time he was a teenager, Patrick was practically an atheist. Around 400 AD, he was abducted from his village, thrown onto a slave ship headed for Ireland, where he was sold to a chieftain named Milktu, and spent six years tending his master's flocks on the slopes of the Slemish Mountains. During that time, God got his attention. And as a result of that, he set himself to pray. Day and night he prayed. He came to really know God the Father. He came to really know Jesus Christ the Son. He came to really know the Spirit of God in his life. Okay, And one time, during a night of prayer and fasting, Patrick records this. He said, In my sleep I heard... Now, I don't know what he was doing, praying and fasting and sleeping at the same time, but okay. in my sleep I heard during a time of prayer and fasting, okay, I heard this voice say to me, It's well that you fast. Soon you'll be going home to your own country. After a short while, I heard a voice saying to me, Your ship is ready. He escaped. He travelled 200 miles across country to the west coast. He found a ship there ready to sail, but was refused passage. He prayed. After desperate prayer, he was allowed on board. Arriving home, he began training to serve God. Through a number of dreams, he came to realise God was calling him to return to Ireland and proclaim Jesus as Lord. Ireland was totally pagan, but Patrick was a man willing to stand in the gap for Jesus Christ. In the anointing of God, he overcame the power of the Druids, and in 432 AD, he built the first ever Christian church in all of Ireland. It's considered the cradle of Irish Christianity. Patrick's ministry lasted 29 years. He baptised over 120,000 Irishmen. He planted 300 churches. Wow. Patrick's poem of faith and trust in God reads, Christ be within me, Christ behind me, Christ before me, Christ beside me. Christ to win me, Christ to comfort and restore me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ inquired, Christ in danger, Christ in hearts of all that love me, Christ in mouth of friend and stranger. This was a man who was really moved by God. God was the initiator. God was the energizer of all that Patrick did in his service. Here's the point. It's not what we do initially. It's what God does initially. Okay? God is God and we are his creation and he uses us for his purposes and for his glory. Friends, I want you to hear this. God is totally mission focused. He is always at work 
everywhere to accomplish his mission that all people will know his glory. And there's some scriptures there, Habakkuk 2.14, you know, he's a footballer, Habakkuk or whatever, um, Philippians 2.10, Ephesians, and so it goes. You can check out some of those scriptures, all right? Friends, God is always about calling and sending people with messages of his concern over the way people are living away from him. His only begotten son, Jesus, the visible expression of his father in heaven, as Colossians 1.15 says, was a missionary in real terms. The Latin word for sending is missio, and God, in his love for us, sent, that is, missioned his son to come and save us from the wages of sin, which is death, and eternal separation from God, which is hell. Jesus is the very epitome of what it means to be a missionary because he is the full manifestation of the Father who sent him. You hear what I just said? That's what missionaries really are. They're to be the full manifestation of the Lord whose commissions and sends them. Okay? Jesus was sent by God to save mankind out of Satan's dark realm into the light of God's kingdom. Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom of God included then a call to people to follow him, to join him in his mission. Like his father, he sent his followers into the world. And these are the words, as the father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. You can check that in John 20 verses 21, 22. You can also check out 17, 18 in the same book. Friends, as God sent his Son in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, so the Son sends his disciples into the world in the power and presence of the same Holy Spirit. Jesus' gift of the Spirit to them was, as it is for us today, for the missionary task he's called us to. Why have I shared all this with you? Here's the key point. Every Christian is a missionary of Jesus Christ. You, as Christians, are missionaries of Jesus Christ, where you are. And the big tragedy of much church life is most members of the body of Christ do not live out the reality of this in their day-to-day living. They think missionary work is something different from the life and work of a local congregation. For them, missionaries are people specially chosen, called by God to leave the local church, to go overseas somewhere, to serve, work, whatever, okay? When in actual fact, the truth is, every Christian is called to be a missionary, wherever they are, where they work, where they play, where they live, wherever. When local believers fail to see the truth of this, Many people that Jesus died on the cross to save do not hear the good news of his redeeming love. As a result, at the end of their life, they will go to hell. I've never forgotten a powerful role play presented by YWAM in a church I was pastor of. The imagery had you standing at the gate of heaven with a lifelong friend and there had been an accident in which you had both been killed. Your name is listed in the book of life and your friend isn't. When told that faith in Jesus is required for access into heaven, your friend looks at you with terror-filled eyes 
and screams, Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you tell me? That terrified cry could be repeated over and over and over again because of our mute silence when it comes to bearing witness to Jesus in and around us. If and when we do manage to speak up, often there's an incongruity between our actions and our words which confuse those we're witnessing to. The result, many who could have life eternal in the glory of God's presence will spend eternity totally separated from God in Christ. God does not want that. First point, we've done the introduction. People matter to God. People really do matter to God. If you have a pencil, you put in the word matter. Their eternal destiny is of great concern to him. It's why he calls people together in communities of faith in his son, Jesus Christ. God's purpose for every church, this church, is to be a church that grows two ways. One, in quality of life okay, and faithful service. And Paul told Timothy in these words, set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith and in purity. 1 Timothy 4.12 This way of living, friends, is a powerful witness to unbelievers that we really mean business when it comes to our faith in God. Friends, we are in a real battle against a legacy of suspicion and mistrust towards Christianity as a result of the sexual abuse issues that the church has been caught out in. We have to work hard at turning that around. Quality of life and faithful service. Being true disciples, if you like. The second area we should grow is numerically. For as long as there's unsaved people in this community, in any community, it is God's will for his church to grow. Now, I think I might have shared this with you when I was up here and we talking with your leaders and I asked what the population of Wangaratta was and they said 27,000 people and I mischiefly looked at them and said, congregation's about 1,500 then. You hear my point though, don't you? Should be growing, should be making impact in the community, okay? People matter to God and they should matter to us. Second thing, don't have to fill this one in, Jesus' purpose is not just the salvation of people. It's not just about salvation. Jesus wants disciples committed to be effective missionaries for his kingdom. And he expects us to make a difference in people's lives. Jesus is calling you and I to join with him in the most significant work we can ever be involved in, influencing and changing people's lives by the power of the Spirit in the kingdom of God. We can choose to join him or remain behind. It's as simple as that, friends. Now, when Apple Computer fell into difficult times, the chairman, Steve Jobs, travelled from Silicon Valley to New York City to convince PepsiCo's John Scully to move west and run his struggling company. Scully started to decline Jobs' offer. He said, financially, you'd you'd have to give me a million-dollar salary, a million-dollar bonus and a million dollar severance flabbergasted okay? Job's gulped his agreement providing Scully would move to California Scully would not commit to that he just wanted to be a consultant from New York Job's issued a challenge to Scully 
Do you want to spend the rest of your life selling sugared water or do you want to change the world? In his autobiography, Scully said Job's challenge knocked the wind out of him. He'd become so caught up with what he was doing and had that an opportunity to change the world nearly passed him by. He wrote that he put his life in perspective and he went to Apple. Now, here's the fact. Apple has not changed the world. Jesus did and is still doing so. Really changed the world. Many Christians don't realize that Jesus is giving them a chance to change the world around them. The weakness of thousands of churches is the members are more concerned about maintaining the status quo. I have on my, on my study on the pinboard statement, maintaining the status quo is lethal. And that's the way it is, friends. Do you know that uh, when churches become sedate and satisfied, existing primarily for themselves, there's only one end because they become a maintenance church and that means death. They maintain the status quo. Friends, if you continue to do what you've done for the last 10 years, you'll get more of the same. You know what I just said? That's in everything. We have to do some change things, really. Okay? Jesus certainly didn't have status quo in mind when he commanded his followers to go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Matthew 28, 16, 20, the Great Commission. Right? See, Jesus has this purpose for his church worship of God and making disciples. Only one of those things can you continue to do when you get to heaven and that's worship of God. The opportunity to make disciples is over at that point of time. So we need to get to that now. You see friends, we are on mission duty until the full number of those who are to be gathered into the kingdom of God are saved. And God's purpose for those he's saved is to make them like Jesus. If the heart of discipleship is to become like Jesus, we need to see that Jesus' strategy is to get a whole lot of little versions of himself infiltrating every nook and cranny of society by reproducing himself through people in every place in the world. The word Christ actually means anointed. And we, you see, again, what do we say? We're Christians. That's not the word. We're actually Christians. We're the anointed ones of God, anointed with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. For the purpose of witnessing to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, wherever we are, friends. Healthy local church members will always be concerned about their missionary work to unbelievers around them. Again, too many churches are like the one depicted by a little boy playing with his blocks. When his dad entered the room, the boy looked up and said, Quiet, Dad, I'm building a church. Intrigued, his dad, thinking he'd test his son's religious knowledge, said, Why do you want me to be quiet in church? The boy replied, We have to because the people are sleeping. <laughs> God wants his church to wake up and get on with seizing every opportunity to proclaim Jesus as their Lord and Saviour, making disciples of all we can reach. And number three now in your outline, Jesus shows the way, actually. As he ministered in towns and villages of Judea and Samaria, healing the sick, casting out demons from those tyrannized by Satan's realm, forgiving sin, proclaiming the kingdom of God, giving real life where there was only pain and suffering, his heart went out to the people. He was moved with compassion for them because of what he saw. I have high, this is a Greek word I have trouble saying. Splagistes. 
is the strongest word for pity in the Greek language. It literally describes a person who's moved to the deepest depths of their being, to their bowels, actually, is literally the meaning. Jesus was moved this way when he saw, one, the sick, the blind, those in the grip of demons. He couldn't see a person suffering without longing to set them free from what afflicted them. Secondly, those afflicted by grief and sorrow. And there's a scripture reference there. He was filled with a great desire to wipe away every tear from every eye. Thirdly, those filled with loneliness because they'd been banished from the company of their brothers and sisters. Fourthly, those bewildered by all that was going on around them. The Living Bible puts it this way. Those whose problems were so great, they did not know what to do or where to go for help. They were like people utterly wearied by a journey that seemed to have no end. There was no real direction for their lives. They were at the mercy of all sorts of false teachers. Friends, there are people like that in every city and town in Australia, even in Wangaratta. They've, They've tried or are into drugs, materialism, alcohol, I mean, TM, yoga, spiritualism, protest groups, gurus, pornography, looking for something that will give meaning to their lives. Desperate, searching, yearning, violence flourishes in in the seedbeds of envy, frustration, despair and dissatisfaction, disillusionment that's now part of our community. As Jesus looked at people like that, he saw a rich harvest ready to be gathered. He said... The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You see, in Jesus' parables, friends, the the harvest is a symbol for the time of salvation and its abundant riches, 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100-fold, right, ready for the ingathering. Jesus pointed his disciples to the need. He asked them to pray. Friends, prayer, and we've already done a lot of this work, training, Prayer is the beginning of all ministry. Then he called them to himself and he authorized them to go to the lost sheep of Israel first. You see, the first thing Jesus wanted was God's people renewed so they would take the gospel to the non-believing nations. Church renewal is vital to Jesus' plans to bring Australia to himself. Wangaratta Baptist Church is part of his purpose to bring the renewal of life that comes through faith in the Son of God so that anointed this congregation can change all sorts of things so that around the nation congregations everywhere are being changed actually there are tremendous moves of God in our nation in different places Okay, being open to the power dimension of the kingdom of God by the Holy Spirit His gifts empowering people to do what Jesus desires this church is to be part of that movement Let's be serious about that. Jesus described how his followers are to minister and it's scary for us. They're to enter the situations that they come to and heal the sick, set people free from demonization, bring life to the dead and declare the kingdom of God has come near to them. Friends, this is the way Jesus expects the harvest to be gathered. It's word and deed, not just word, not just deed. Deed and word is the way of Jesus. It's to be our way also, for we are to be audio-visual Christians, show-and-tell Christians. Word on its own is not enough. 
good works on their own are not enough. You hear what I'm saying? I mean, way back when we were in theological college and we moved to Braybrook, which was part of Sunshine Mission at that point, and we'd go to the church meeting and the mission report would come and they'd talk about all the food parcels they'd handed out. And two of us, naughty theological students, so we have a question. In all the food parcels you handed out, did anyone tell the people you're handing them out to that you're doing this because Jesus loves them? They didn't like that question. That's crazy, friends. But you hear what I'm saying? We throw away good works by not proclaiming why we do them. Or we say God is good and full of love and we don't display the love. It's word and deed together that makes the difference. So it's number four now. Sowing and reaping Jesus' style is to be the key priority. It's the only reason we exist as a church. Now, I can tell you, I, I've never, I remember the change that takes place in farmers' lives in the Mallee when the harvest is ready. The most placid, she'll be right, mate, easygoing people became so intense, rushing urgently to do that was, which was necessary. Get the crop in before a lightning strike or before something happens to it. They were desperately urgent. You never know what tomorrow might bring. Many things can ruin a harvest. Every opportunity must be seized to gather it. Jesus expects us to approach the harvest of souls with the same intensity and urgency. Jesus has called you together to be a church that makes a difference. He wants every community of faith to so live and operate together that people's lives will be changed totally as they enter into the kingdom of God. Listen to me. Jesus sees this place, this place, as a mission station because he's called you to be personally involved with unbelievers so that they may hear his claim on their lives. Grabbing an opportunity, a man talked with a woman in, her, in a hotel lobby about her need for Jesus. When he left, there were tears in her eyes. Her husband returned to her and asked what had upset her. She told him of this strange man who'd been speaking to her about her spiritual need. The husband said, Why didn't you tell him to mind his own business? His wife said, If you'd been here, you would have thought it was his business. We are commanded, number five, we are commanded to do this mission work. It's not an option. It's why the Holy Spirit was given to us the call to mission service of Jesus is not given to those who had the gift or who were good communicators but to people described by the gospel writers as depressed mourning and weeping afraid of those outside their group the Jews and struggling with unbelief that's who Jesus commissioned that tells me none of us are excluded from Jesus command to go to the world as his ambassadors entrusted with the gospel of his kingdom. God wants Wangaratta Baptist Church to be a community of people who've been impacted by his word and spirit and who are learning how to impact others with the same word and spirit. He wants you committed to joyous corporate worship of God, to the formation and development of strong, effective disciples. He wants a spirit-filled team of people focused on doing God's business in Wangaratta. He wants his followers to be a dynamic, 
biblical force in the community, a people who manifest the kingdom of God through disciplined obedience to His commands. We need to learn from one of the greatest missionaries the church has ever had, Paul. He was utterly determined, however personally painful or humbling it may be, to proclaim the gospel to all he came in contact with. Friends, we need to come to grips with something. The gospel is good news, but for some people it's offensive and that's what intimidates us. We don't want to offend people. Well, I think it's time we need to stand up and start to move on to the offensive in this nation and become bold disciples of Jesus Christ, declaring the kingdom of God and all that he wants. Number six, God alone, friends, is responsible for the results. See, what we're talking about is witness. You witness about what God's done in your life. That's what really it's all about, being a disciple of Jesus. You witness about what God's doing in your life, what God's meant to you. Nobody can argue with that. They might like it, but they can't argue with it because it's the truth. You don't have to be super theological and, and read scripture at them. You just tell them what God has done in your life and you believe what God could do in their life eventually. Right? God's responsible for the results. You're just the storyteller in that sense. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants, the man who waters have one purpose and each will be rewarded according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers. While it's our clear responsibility to proclaim the message, it's God's clear responsibility to produce the results. You and I can convert no one. God is the master conversion expert. As we follow Jesus in obedience to his sending, missioning us, God will work through us to bring in the catch. That's what it says in Matthew 4.19. Friends, see, we are totally dependent upon God and his grace for any worthwhile results. At the same time, we have to be disciplined disciples exercising faith for God to do his thing through us. It won't be easy. Jesus warns of the consequences. There will be opposition from the world and from Satan. People will not always receive the message or us. You, should, you could experience bitter trials because of your witnessing. Some will even hate you. Even your family could take a set against you. Jesus said all that. Nevertheless, are you going to play your part in God's mission business, sowing and reaping? through your everyday witness to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is God's will for us. Do you see, friends, as Christians, there are two questions we need to ask ourselves several times a week. One, is what I'm doing, is what I'm doing something that will make a difference to someone's eternal destiny? Two, is what I'm doing promoting the Lordship of Jesus in a way that helps non-Christians come to experience the message of salvation through faith in God's Son? They're the critical questions, friends, that you have to answer, I have to answer, this week and every day. Let's pray. Father, wonderful, awesome, holy Father, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who sent, missioned your Son into the world, to die on a cross taking our sin upon himself he who was without sin who you raised from the grave Lord of Lords and King of Kings who with you poured out the Holy Spirit on all who put 
their faith in Him as their Lord and Saviour who commissions each and every one of us to be missionaries in our community, to be literally children of our Father in heaven, manifesting your love, your grace, your mercy, your healing power, your restoring life to people in desperate need, even though they don't know it. Oh God, today, forgive us for our failures. Forgive us for self-focusedness, selfishness, being quiet, mute when we should have spoken up, being afraid of of what people might think and say. Forgive us, Father, for falling short of the mark and renew us again with your Holy Spirit and pour your Spirit out upon each of us now that we would be quickened to become true disciples of Jesus Christ, missionaries in the town of Wangaratta and the surrounding areas for one purpose, the glory of your name in Jesus Christ. Amen.